Good evening and welcome to our service this evening. My name is Vicky, I'm one of the ministers here at Monford Baptist Church and I'm sharing the service with Ian, one of the other ministers here, who will be unpacking God's words to us this evening on the theme of being lonely, abandoned, of needing God's help. And as I thought about that theme, my eyes were taken to Psalm 86. And it starts off by saying this, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. I don't know how you are feeling this evening as you watch this service, where you may be watching it, what kind of day you've had. But listen to these following verses. Verse 2, Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. I pray that if maybe you started off that echoing those I am poor and needy, feeling lonely, feeling abandoned, you will go through this evening service recognising that we can trust God, that yes, we may have been calling out to him, he will have heard us, he remains faithful, and we can trust him. As we sing our first song, it reminds us, even in the face of difficulty, that we need to shine out into our dark world, who themselves may be feeling lonely and abandoned, the love that God has for them. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you do use us to shine out hope to others. We thank you that we can declare you as a mighty God, a loving God, a God who cares for everyone. It doesn't matter what they may have done, that they can come to you and that you will forgive them because that's the kind of God you are. You are the God of heaven and earth. You're our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, your name is mighty and majestic. You are the, the prince of all, the ruler of heaven and of earth. And Lord, we pray that as we offer you our worship this evening, we can lift up our hands, as we lift up our voices and proclaim you as our God, the Father of all. Amen. And we do indeed continue as we lift up our hearts and our voices, our praise and our worship to God this evening through our next song. Many of us may have heard Ian preaching on Psalm 121 at the end of June. And we're looking at it again just briefly as we think about that whole sense of, you know, maybe just struggling with day-to-day -day life. And I'm going to read Psalm 121, but tonight I'm going to read it from the message version. Different words that maybe that we're familiar with, but the sentiment and what it means, very much the same. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No. My strength comes from God, who made the heavens and the earth and the mountains. God won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. 
Israel's guardian will neither doze nor sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke and sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. Hold on to that as we sing our next song, What a Beautiful Name. What a beautiful name. And it's that beautiful name that has brought us to this table. As we're going to share in a short while in the bread and in the cup. And I thought as we prepared our hearts for a moment, we'd focus in on the words of that old hymn. And as I read it through, let's maybe just think about the imagery that we see in the words. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, except in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charmed me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small? Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's just be quiet for a moment. And so, Father God, we ask that as we come to prayer now, before we share in their bread and cup, we take time to say sorry. And we use those well-known words, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men and women in thought and word and deed. Through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. And so as we listen to our piece of music, we can share in the bread and in the cup. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can remember your bread and your cup, your death upon that cross, and we thank you for all that you have done for us. Father God, we give you glory, and we pray that as we continue to live out our, di- our, our days, that each and every day, we will live it recognising all that you have done for us. We thank you that you love us and that you forgive us, and that we can come to you recognising that you cradled ordinary bread in your hands and you blessed it and you shared it with us. We recognise that it was your poured out blood hung on that cross that meant that we can now stand before you as your children and that you have welcomed us into your kingdom. Father God, we thank you that even though we are so diverse, so different, so individual one from another, you have created us. We thank you, Father God, that you know us and that you love us and that you love and that you love those who we may struggle to love ourselves. Father God, help us to be compassionate and merciful in the way that you are compassionate and merciful to us. Help us to accept and welcome those who we struggle to welcome ourselves. Help us to be that good neighbour so that together we can live and serve one another in peace and in joy. Help us to recognise that your hands have created each and every one who we may meet day by day. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful world from where our food comes. We recognise that there are so many people involved in the growing and harvesting and transporting of food, in the selling, the buying and the preparing of food. But Lord, we recognise too that as we thank you for them, we too need to make our own individual responses in the way that we treat this world in which we live, your creation. Father God, we thank you that we have the ability to make choices. Help us to be wise in the ways that we live. Help us to be wise to reduce the climate change that's taking place. Help us to be wise in the choices that we make. We pray for those scientists who are manipulating the building blocks of life as they transfer genes between species and look to make things different to how you had created them. Lord, give them wisdom, we pray. We remember those 
farmers and those who, who scrape a living day by day, when the rain doesn't fall and the, maybe the rain's fallen too much and their crops have been dispersed and ruined. And for whom we have little thought, as long as when we get to the supermarket, our shelves are full. Father God, forgive us our selfishness, we pray. We pray for those who are crushed by debt, for those who are trafficked in order to give us our wants and our plenty. Forgive those who are forcing people to waste fertile land by growing drugs and tobacco rather than food for their own family and for their own people. Father God, as we think about this bread and we think about your poured out blood, we recognise that human hands can create and make, but it can also destroy. Help us not to be destroying hands, we pray. As we look at your world, the world that you have created, where the water tumbles over rocks or as we enjoy the sunshine and the rain. We recognise, Lord, that sometimes our actions have a negative impact on the creation and all that you have done. Help us, Lord, to be strong. And we pray for our governments and the governments of the world who make deals and who perhaps are bringing food into countries where it's not being well looked after. Where actually the result of the farming means that others will be suffering in time to come. Lord, bring wisdom, we pray. We pray for those who are heavy on our heart, who perhaps are suffering from illness and sadness and difficulty. Lord God, we bring them before you now. And as, Lord, we have shared in your bread and your cup, Lord, help us to remember them and how much you love them. And may they know that truth for themselves this evening, we pray. And Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have done. And we pray that as we live our lives day by day, we will do so living strong and firm in our faith. And bringing to you our praise and our worship day by day. Amen. Hopefully you have received your notice sheet and you will know that um, things are going to be different in the coming weeks. Hopefully we are looking to enjoy an in-service um, gathering next Sunday evening with Andy and Rihanna who are home from Moldova and we're looking forward to spending some time with them 
together here in this place. Can I encourage you, if you've not been coming to a Sunday morning service or you've been supporting Andy and Rihanna over time, that you come and enjoy this time with them in person next Sunday evening. But it'll be great to gather together and listen to what they have to say. And you'll see that in the coming weeks, things are going to be different and there will be no evening services uh, running throughout August. I encourage you to use that time to spend with one another, with family, with friends, but also as we celebrate together with a barbecue weather permitting, keep your eyes on the notice sheet. Do offer, if you can help, we'd really appreciate it. And we look forward to regathering, um, preferably in person come September, but if not online in September, as we resume our evening services. But there will be no evening services in the weeks to come. We continue to thank you for your week by week offerings. We ask that you continue to do that in the coming weeks. And we pray that in all that we do, you will um, be faithful because God has been faithful to you. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, all that we can give to you. Lord, we pray that you will bless it and use it and that, Father God, it will all be used to share your love and hope in a world that is often in darkness and without hope. Father God, bless our offerings, we pray. Amen. Our reading this evening is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, finishing our series, and it's reading from verses 9 to the end of the chapter. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carphus at Tereras and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me their message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of God. We're going to sing once more, and then Ian will be sharing God's word with us. So often when we come to passages like 
this one here towards the end of 2 Timothy, we want to apply it just to a single person, that, in this case, Paul, writing to Timothy. But the rationale, the things behind a text like this are so often across the whole of the scriptures. We read in this passage what's described as personal remarks. It's intimate remarks between Paul and Timothy. But it's not remarks that are, woe is me, it's remarks that are saying to Timothy, watch out, watch out. This is what leadership is about. This is what following God's about. This is what following Christ's about. As you do the work, as we had from last week, of this great commission, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a cost. And so what we find in these last few verses of 2 Timothy are so true of many church leaders and many followers of Christ throughout the world. It's a cry in their experience And the great thing is it's in scripture, so we are prepared. From the frustrated Moses slamming down the tablets of stone in anger, to Elijah on Mount Carmel, to Daniel standing for God alone (coughs) and being thrown into a um, lion's den, to Peter under attack of a servant girl. There are frequent senses of loneliness and the cry of, God, I need you. Yet to the person who has the call of God on their life, as Timothy does, as Paul does, there is that call of Christ to the first disciples to the reinstatement of Christ, of Peter, follow me. What's it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it starts off by just understanding the way he lived. Jesus himself was a leader with so much opposition. There are times there was opposition from his disciples. No, Jesus, you don't want to do that. To the opposition of the religious leaders and those who wanted to come against him. To those who wanted to stone him and to those who ultimately crucified him. Jesus knew opposition and he, yet he still says, even after his resurrection to Peter, who was trying to follow him and who was messing up time and time again, he just repeated in John chapter 21, in that reinstatement on the beach, those two words, follow me. You see, God does not ask any one of us to do something that Christ himself did not go through. And just because God calls you to something, it does not mean it's going to be easy. In fact, the things of God, when you get involved in them, you are straight into a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle between God and Satan, who wants Satan, who wants you to fail, wants you to mess up, wants you to get it all wrong, to God who says, I will not leave you, but you're going to fight with me. The fight will come from those who are in the church and from those who are outside the church. It will come from criticism through all sorts of ways. And as 
Paul writing to Timothy outlines, yes, there were those who helped him and there were those who abandoned him. It's interesting as he writes, he even names some people. Alexander, the metal worker, he did me a great deal of harm. And maybe you, in your life, you can actually pinpoint people who did you harm. I know as a pastor I can do that as well. People who have harmed me or harmed the church or caused all sorts of toll. And Paul writing to Timothy says, you should be on your guard against him because he has strongly opposed our message. So just because God calls you, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but Jesus still says those two words, follow me. Follow me. Follow me despite. Follow me despite those who will plot against you. In my 30 years of ministry, I have witnessed those who plotted against me. I've witnessed even more those who plotted against others' ministers. One of the joys I've had in ministry is that of being a regional minister, but one of the sadness is seeing how badly people, particularly Christians, can behave. And so often the challenge is to point out truth. And there are those who plot against God and his people. And they are often the ones we have to come against and they will be on the front line of our ministry and work. There even could be in the church looking for an issue to give a fatal blow to your ministry. Paul, writing, says that. And he also goes on to talk about how when it was happening, no one came to my support. But we're still called to follow Christ. I have witnessed and seen many ministries come to an end, not because of something that the minister did wrong, but accusations and attacks that broke the minister. Friends, let me encourage you, pray for those in church leadership up and down this country. And let's all do our best to support those who God has called to serve. But let's not decide not to follow Christ just because it gets hard. Because the second thing it says is follow me despite the evil that happens to you. Paul in this letter to Timothy has been in 
encouraging him into his ministry. Vicky last week preached about that charge and we'll come back to that in a while. But Paul writing to Timothy is not saying don't do it because it's going to be hard. In fact, he gives him quite a hard charge to do. But he says, keep going. Yes, evil will happen. There will be false teachers. This whole letter is covered with the negatives as to why you wouldn't want to set out to do it. But keep going. Follow Jesus despite the evil that will happen to you. And follow Jesus despite the ones who want to see you fail. Paul himself was not short of his critics. Those who wanted to expose him, those who wanted to argue in public with him, those who refused to work with him, those who had a blazing row with him. Paul, the super apostle, had a ministry of torment. And then there were the non-Christians, the guards and the, the uh, judges and that who wanted constantly to call an end to Paul's ministry. Yet Paul kept following and following and following. And as he passes this ba- baton to Timothy to do this great call, Paul is just being real with his t- friend Timothy. These things will happen. But what he does say is that God will be there. As we come to the end, it talks about, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. He is not saying it's going to be peace on earth, but we will safely arrive at heaven's door. What a testimony of his call upon his life that no matter what will go against him, he's going to keep on going. So follow Jesus despite the ones who'd want to see you fail and follow Jesus despite the ones who seek to destroy you. Paul... In his ministry, ends up on a ship, getting shipwrecked, ends up in house arrest. But he keeps on keeping on. You see, to Paul, there are those who can destroy his body, but nobody can destroy his soul. And nobody can destroy his calling. Keep on keeping on. And Paul encourages Timothy to keep on despite those who do not want truth and holiness to reign. Yes, the false teachers of chapter 2 and those who would oppose him in chapter 3, to those who want to cause disaster in chapter 4, to those in the church who want to rule and make the church something which it should not be. 
And you say, well, that would never happen. In my time in ministry, in the church, I've seen safeguarding issues that have needed to be dealt with firmly. I've seen offensive behaviour, I've seen criminal behaviour, I've seen false teaching, theft, sexual assaults, etc, etc, all within the church. And as a pastor at times I've had to stand out alone and deal with them. And yes, I have experienced the opposition of those who do not know the truth. Yet God calls us to do this because that's our call. Vicky last week preached about this charge. And what Paul is saying in the whole of this letter to Timothy is that God will be the judge. God will stand for righteousness. In chapter 4 and verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? <coughs> Excuse me. And in view of his appearing kingdom, I give you this charge. This charge is given in the presence of God. This charge is given in the presence of the one who is going to judge those who fail. And in that charge, we have these principles. And these principles I want to leave with us today not just for those who are in church leadership, such as myself and Vicky and Jan and Hannah and the lead deacons, and those who are in church leadership across this nation. But as I give you these words, it's a charge to each one of us to do that which God has called us to. And these five things hopefully, will equip us to follow him. Let me go through them. Firstly, do it and I will be with you, says Jesus. That phrase I have used time and time and time again in church, in teaching, in preaching, in that whilst I've been over the last six years in ministry of this church at Romford. As this service goes out, it will be six years nearly to the day when Vicky and I were inducted into this church. And we were promised at that time in the promises that we made between the church and the ministers that we do this knowing that God is with us and God will be with us. And so let's not ever water down that truth to being just mere words, but actually recognise them as mere rea actual reality. Do what God has called you to do and he will be with us. 
Maybe you have stopped doing it because you feel you're worn out or you can't do it on your own. Hear those words again. Do it and I will be with you. As Paul is speaking to Timothy and the charge to preach the word in season, out season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And recognising that people will stand up against him and not put up with sound doctrine, instead want to twist everything. And you can imagine Timothy thinking, why am I doing it? The people are not listening. God says, yes, and I'm with you. And you know what, Timothy? I understand your frustration. Because I too am frustrated with them. So the first one of these things is do it and I will be with you. Secondly, do it and get the victory. Although victories don't always come straight away, as we stand firm in Christ, Christ always has the victory. Yes, it might be an eternal victory, but it will be in a victory in the name of Jesus. Do you notice how through the New Testament, the times we are told to pray and pray in the name of Jesus? And this really should be taken more seriously because so often we go to the super preachers and that sort of thing as if they are going to get something because you've, that person has prayed. Let me tell you something. The only person who can actually make things happen is Jesus. And so as we put our faith stronger in him, we see him get the victory. And time and time again, we've got to step back and let God take the applause. Let God take the applause for what is happening, not us. I love Romford Baptist Church. I love all that goes on here. I love the great successes we have. I love the fact that God is putting new vision in our lives. And yes, it's getting pretty scary at times. But if there is success, then the applause goes to God. So do it, says God, and I will be with you. Do it and get the victory. But do it not in your own strength just before the charge in 2 Timothy chapter 4 towards the end of verse chapter 3 we read the passage all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness The recognition that when we handle God's word well, when we let the Holy Spirit work through us, when we go in the name of Jesus, it's not about our strength, as if some kind of macho way is going to win the day. It's the power of the word of God 
as the Holy Spirit takes hold of it and throws it into the people, then we see great things happening. Whilst we believe we can do things in our strength, we will find that we will fail. But when we trust God, when we trust God, we see victory. So do it and God will be with you. Do it and God get the victory. Do it, but not in your own strength. Fourthly, do it, but surround yourself with wise, godly people. Paul had friends everywhere. And he lists some of them towards the end of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. He names Mark, bringing him with you because he has been helpful with, to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. The sense that Paul is just outlining to Timothy these people who were friends and who were partners on the ministry with him. They say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And in ministry and Christian service, if you want the victory, go as part of a wider team. A team of people who can hold you to account a team of people who can speak into your life, a team of people who can hold your arms up when they go fall down, a team of people who can tell you to stop. All of us need wise, godly people surrounding us. Here at RBC, we celebrate God calling together a leadership team both the staff team and the, le the elected deacons and that, who form a group. And I, as a pastor, want to tell you it's great to have godly people on the leadership team. People who speak into the situations and into lives and challenge and lead. Finally, do it that knowing that you are following a Christ who also had all these things happen to him. Nothing that happens to you is worse or better than anybody, what happened to others. And we are not promised that nothing will ever, bad will ever happen. But we are promised that Christ will be with us, that we will have the victory, that we don't need to do it in our strength, and we can do it as part of a team, because Christ has gone before with his team, his disciples, his friends. And God will use what we offer him for his glory. Amen. Our final song is that song, Our
God saves. And so go as God's people into God's world. Take in the Lord with you who says to reach the lost, to love those Christ has put before you, and to see what God has in store for you. And may the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen. And as this is probably our last recorded online service, we close with a song that's become so popular, those words from the blessing. May the Lord bless you.